This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. It's Power Lunch on Power 98.7 and on a Wednesday we deal with all of the physiological ailments that could plague us and so we'll get into our conversation now about male circumcision. This is Health Wednesday. Health Wednesday. Okay, well, if we're being serious, yes, it is about cutting it. We're talking about circumcision. Owen. Shocking us every day there. Um, and so we're going to have a conversation with urologist Dr. Charles Martier about the removal of the foreskin of the penis. Um, sure, I had said that I must put out a caveat just before we start this conversation. It's a, it's a conversation about um, uh, biology, and so we're going to use male body parts by name. We're going to use the, you know, the, the references to what the medical procedures look like. So if you've got little kids in the car, and you don't as yet want to explain what these things are, then just please be advised. So this has been a topic of debate due to its potential pros and cons. Advocates argue that circumcision can reduce the risk of certain sexually transmitted infections, urinary tract infections, and even penile cancer. It also has a cultural or religious significance for some communities, However, critics raise concerns about the procedure's potential impact on sexual sensation, bodily autonomy, and the ethics of performing a non-consensual surgery on infants. Additionally, the procedure carries the risk of surgical complications, as any surgery does, and the potential long-term consequences, sparking an ongoing discussion about the necessity and ethical considerations of male circumcision. So let's welcome our guest onto the line here. We've got Dr. Charles Martier. You can call in as well on 0861-987-000. Dr. Martier, thank you very much for joining us. Hi, good afternoon, Bobby. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's talk the very, very basics. I mean, do we know how far back circumcision has come in history um, uh, and why it was initially uh, uh, conducted on boys? Yeah, probably in circumcision comes apparently a thousand years back. It actually has been um, an ethical issue. It's it's an ethnical issue, and it also has been a cultural issue for a long, long time. And but recently, it has become a an, an area of interest for for researchers to find out if it's got any medical benefits. Mm. And we have actually found that there's a lot of benefits in doing circumcision. So let's delve into that right there, the the benefits potentially from uh, a medical point of view for doing circumcisions, Doc. Yeah. So so there's there's a lot of medical benefits, Mm. but most importantly, um, in 2005, there were were three studies, uh, randomized uh, controlled trials that looked at the what is the effectiveness of circumcision as it relates to HIV and 
unfortunately, one of the studies was done in South Africa at, uh, in a center in Orange Farm. It was about 2005. It was presented at, uh, at an HIV Congress in Rio de Janeiro. So what they found actually was that uh, medical circumcision uh, reduces the chances of acquiring HIV by up to 60%. And that is a very high percentage. It's almost equal to what, uh, just to put it into perspective, it's almost equal to what an ordinary vaccine would, would, would achieve mm. in terms of prevention. So, so that is one big, big uh, medical milestone that actually came. The two other studies were done in Uganda and Kenya. So all of them were, were basically African studies. And the reason why it made a big impact was because the HIV statistics were showing high HIV in Africa more than other places. Mm. So, so since then, a lot of other studies came on, but that is the main, main benefit in terms of prevention. Can you explain to us why that is? What is it about the physiological difference between circumcised and uncircumcised body parts that would be um, able to prevent uh, the the prevalence of HIV and AIDS? Yeah. So um, in terms of uh, those studies, I think there's a lot more other studies coming in. But initially what was picked up is that if you... I'm going to say the prepuce, which is the first, the inner side of the foreskin, mm-hmm. has been sort of uh, also taken in for laboratory studies to see how different it is to the rest of the skin or the rest of the penis. And it has been found that it got these so-called Langerhans cells, which have high affinity for for HIV specifically and also for other sexually transmitted uh, diseases. And once you do circumcision, you actually remove that part of the skin that has high affinity. High affinity, almost like it's 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 sort of more predisposed than any other place. The re- the other reason was that that foreskin, the inner part is actually covered, and it has also been found to have a high of anaerobes, which is one of the other sort of bacteria, if I may put it that way. Mm-hmm which predisposes to other uh, sexually transmitted infections. And also recent studies also picked up that there is an, sort of an in response that happens uh, during, in that foreskin, either during or just with any activity happening there that triggers or open pores for all sorts of infections to come in. But like I said, the studies keep on going on because mm. all of that is not like it's all about studies that have shown certain things and come and proved and disproved. So it's, it's a lot of other theories that are, are showing are showing that. Mm. So it's very so, interesting, you know, post that study, uh, there was a, a big drive as well for adults to get circumcised and, um, you know, many taking that call for a variety of health reasons, as you've outlined. When is the best time for um, somebody born with a penis to be circumcised? Is there a best time at all? Mm, There is no best time. You know, um, it depends basically on the indication. 
indication meaning is it for cultural, is it for medical, or is it just for preventive? So we usually start circumcising around age four years, and that is normally if there is no medical indication. If there is a medical indication which we'll talk about what are the actual reasons why you medically will say you circumcise, mm. you can do at any age. So there is no young, like, you know, even a, a, a newborn can be circumcised. I mean, there are a lot of ethical issues about anesthesia, no anesthesia when a child is a newborn. So I always just advise my patients to say, let the child be sort of grown up enough to to, to be able to undergo uh, anesthesia because you know you want you don't want a young six months old to be given a lot of injections and a lot of gases and all of this. That's basically the the, the other thing because again it's the risk factors. Mm. So there's a lot of other risks that can happen. So you don't want someone that's very young. But generally there is no straightforward typical age to say this is the age that circumcision should be should be actually done well let's talk about those medical reasons that circumcision would have to be done for yeah so besides maybe as 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 i mentioned the hiv there are other like conditions Mm that have also been studied to say are they associated with not being circumcised or being circumcised as because i just mentioned the hiv initially i didn't mention the others so urinary sex infection especially in boys it has we have found out that the boys who have recurrence of a urinary sex infection with no other observable medical condition just having the foreskin itself as, as we have seen that it's, it's more that they have been uncircumcised that they had their recurrent infections. And then again, the risk for penile cancer is also, you know, cancer develops from the foreskin of the penis usually before it goes anywhere else. So those are the things that medically it prevents and helps going forward as a preventative measure. But coming down to medical reasons, the most common one that we see is, is what we call phimosis. So phimosis is basically the tightness of the foreskin. So sometimes the foreskin is so tight that it blocks or interferes with urination. Where when the child passes urine, it goes out the penis but sits on that foreskin. And in very little children, you can actually end up with kidney failure and all that because all that pressure and backflow pushes backwards into blood or back into the kidneys and the child can actually present with with kidney failure or kidney dysfunction, mm. which is, has a long-term effect. So usually that is a common medical indication, or there is also what we call paraphimosis. So paraphimosis is that the foreskin can retract backwards and unable to push, to go forward. Then it, it forms a sort of a ring that constricts the penis, and there's a big swelling that happens. So those are the medical sort of indications that we usually have uh, children bring bring brought to the hospital as sometimes as an emergency. Sometimes the child was was just having those recurrent infections that you really can't figure out why are they having this burning urine? Because ideally, a child who is not sexually active and all of that shouldn't have 
an infection out of nothing. Mm. So if it happens once, of course, it could be contamination from toilet seats or something. But if it recurs, we usually have to work out and say, where is this infection coming from? You know, I've heard this all... I- infections from toilet seats. And as mm. a woman, you know, I-, I have just seen or can imagine a man stands and urinates, never really making mm. contact with the toilet seat. How does that happen, doctor? Yeah, so besides, uh, I probably men are very notorious for that, so I'm, I'm not going to speak for them. I'm, I'm one of them. So what I'm, what, what I'm going to say is that the infection in the toilet seat, probably, we don't know where it comes from, but there is contamination everywhere. So if somebody who comes to the toilet before you is having some infection and he passes urine and maybe spills around and not wipe and all that, it means if you get in contact with that, you are more likely to get infected. Mm. But other than that, there's a lot of viruses, bacteria, fungi that are all in the environment that are community acquired that can be anyway. But unfortunately for women, the reason why it's high for women to contract it from that is that the pipe of the urine, which is the urethra, it's shorter than the pipe in a male, mm. as you can imagine anatomically. So that predisposes a woman to have an infection that gets contact to sort of crawl backwards and causes an infection back into the bladder, as opposed to a man doing that. So that is why I say men will be notorious for that, but they are not the one who get that kind of infection easily from mm, the toilet. Mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about things that um, parents of young boys should be aware of before making the decision from a medical point of view. I mean, we understand religion, culture, that plays a role. But from a, a purely medical point of view, Dr. Mate, um, what should parents consider before making that decision to circumcise their babies? Yeah, I think <laughs> there are again a lot of debate about consent. Do you are you want to do the circumcision? You want to make the decision for the child to do the circumcision, or do you want the child to be at an age that's appropriate to make that decision themselves? I mean, there are a lot of stories going around to say some children would have gone back to their mom. Why did you take me for a circumcision without yeah. without letting me know? So. Those are things that, unfortunately, it's difficult from a medical point of view to get into, to say, should we or should we not. But for medical reasons, there is a lot of things that I could sort of advocate for your child going for a circumcision, especially when it comes to infections, that is non-sexual transmitted infections, meaning urinary tract infections. So urinary tract infection, as I said earlier, it has been researched to show that boys who have foreskin, they have a high risk of having recurrent UTIs. HIV, as, as per the studies that I've told you about, mm-hmm. is that if you are not... It, so, so I think the most important thing is that when we talk about reducing the risk of acquiring HIV, HIV it's important to put it clear. I think the, the message that gets communicated should be clear that the circumcision does not prevent HIV. So you still have to take precaution. You still mm. need to use a condom. You still need to be you to be to have unprotected sex. To have protected sex. Mm. Because 
that 60% is that it's a reduced risk of acquiring HIV, meaning it, it's really not a preventive measure. And again, there's a recent uh, study that was done in Pumalanga where they looked at already circumcised males and compared to uncircumcised males, and they found that circumcised males have high HIV. They were more HIV positive than uncircumcised Mm. males. So that's a very different dynamic because it was looked at to say, why? how can we explain this scientifically? Only to find that it's more on that probably people would go and have circumcision and decide to go on with unprotected sex unprotected sex because they think they are protected or those that have already contracted decided no let's go and have circumcision after so it was difficult to come up with like a tangible scientific explanation to say why whereas we have a scientific explanation to say circumcision itself prevents uh, reduces the uh, risk of acquiring so in terms of explaining to parents i think the most important thing is to say Make the right decisions. Obviously, if there's a medical reason, you don't you have to do the circumcision. Mm. But other than that, the most important thing is to prevent things that are coming. I think penile cancer is not talked about a lot, but it's one of those uh, cancers that happen so much. But then they happen sort of middle age to late. But most of it could have been prevented by circumcision it has also been checked to see that uncircumcised men have a lower risk of having penile cancer because usually the origin of penile cancer comes from the foreskin which is um, basically related you know we did a study at first just to look at what is the predisposing factor to penile cancer per se and we Mm. found that there is the human papilloma virus, which is the same virus that predisposes ladies to cervical cancer, was the same virus that predisposed. But then when you have circumcision, you reduce your chance of having that human papilloma virus, which will predispose to penile cancer. And also, we've also looked at male partners of women who've got cervical cancer, Mm. who who were uncircumcised, subsequently had HPV, we're actually increasing the risk for the woman to have cancer of the cervix. Mm. So all of those are things that if you think of it as what do I do for my boy, doing a circumcision is probably the, the right thing to do because it's difficult for you to know what are the things that could come as they, as they grow besides what we know when they are still yeah. young, which is those infections, yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting from a parent's point of view. uh, You want to make the right decisions for your child, the most health-conscious decisions for your child. And so I wonder, you know, um, when you get backlash from your adult male child that they didn't give consent and they wish they were, you know, their whole body was intact, I'd like to engage with my listeners. Uh, give me a call. You know, if the, you've walked this path um, and and maybe your son's come back to you at 21, 22, 23 and said, but actually I didn't give consent for this. Uh, you know, what was that conversation like? Um, and over and above that, questions around circumcision 
questions around uh, the age that you've circumcised your your child who's born with a penis, um, and and if you have any medical questions pertaining to your own reality or things you've heard. Pella, you can be anonymous if you want to in this conversation with Dr. Charles Mate, who's our urologist, who joins us on the line for further discussion about the pros and cons of male circumcision. After this, your two thirty power headlines. Speak up. Call the power line on zero eight six one nine eight seven triple zero. Yeah, absolutely. We would love to hear from you and have this conversation about medical circumcision, circumcision in general um, uh, for males and the pros and cons of circumcision. Obviously, when we have this conversation, we use biological names, uh, medical terms. And so if it isn't something that you'd like to have, you know, I know this is the time that people get picked up from school, then just a warning to you that that is the nature of our conversation. On the line with us, we have Eurology. Dr. Charles Mate, uh, who's giving us the medical overview on the pros and cons of male circumcision. Okay, so we've talked, Dr. Mate, about you know what potential risks are um, allayed if one is circumcised. We've talked a little bit about you know where circumcision comes from. What about what we need to consider when selecting who does the circumcision? Yeah, thanks for this. It's a good question. Basically, your primary physician or your primary general practitioner doctor should should be able to, to do circumcision. It's, it's it's one of those procedures that uh, we get taught or uh, at undergraduate level, good clinical practice, we should be able to do. So uh, I wouldn't say so. so. So as a specialist, when we train, like uh, I, I train specialists to be now, when we train them, they don't actually do normal circumcision, mm. but we look at the complications generally. So we, we, we are the ones when things have gone wrong that we come in and sort out the complications. So what it means is that any doctor should be able to do circumcision as long as it's done properly, it's done safely, under sterile conditions, and the biggest, biggest complications, I think we haven't spoken about uh, in depth about the complications, is bleeding. Mm. So that is the biggest worry. So you need to be assured that if the child or even if it's an adult bleeds, are you able to sort it out? If there's any injury during the procedure, are you able to sort it out? So, so, so basically, as a specialist, we can do circumcision, but mostly we sort out the complications. So any doctor should be able to do to do circumcision and also other trained, uh, I think, healthcare professionals. I think I know places where there's like good uh, professional nurses who can do circumcision. Just I think the most important is to make sure that you do your homework, make sure whoever is doing your circumcision or your child's circumcision is trained and is doing it under optimal conditions. I mean, we have these conversations at um, initiation school time on a regular basis, and I know that that becomes a very sensitive topic. Uh, you know, what happens in the mountain is restricted to those who have been there, and so, we, you know, we can't talk about it. But the reason why I ask about this is then, you know, around 
what health measures there are in spaces like that and what potentially is going wrong that, uh, you know, initiates are losing their lives as a result Mm -hmm. of a circumcision. So you're saying one of the big risks is bleeding. What else do you think we can uh, put into the hat around what the potential issues could be? So, so most importantly, infection. So infection of the skin. So the equipment that you use must be sterile. Ideally, you cannot use, let's say, use a blade. You cannot use a blade, one blade, for more than one patient. Right. So meaning you need to use completely sterile. It must be in a completely sterile environment because the infection rate is high. And infection means infection of the wound. It means HIV, means any other infection that that equipment would have because if you use it on the next child it will potentially transfer infection from one child to another so that is also the other one the other the other very very most important uh, complication is injuries to, to the penis meaning mm. the organ you know we so that is why when i say we sort that out in terms of complication is that we have had somebody trying depending on the method there are different ways of doing a circumcision but we've had a lens or the whole penis effectively being cut in trying in attempting to do the circumcision mm. where we have to like try and re almost like retransplant the, the penis back or at lens usually is the top part of the penis that's the common one that gets cut because if you do it blindly and you cut thinking that your tactile, your hand can palpate and feel where you must cut. Immediately you remove your hand out of that, that lens goes into where you have to cut and you just cut over the head of the penis. And that has a lot of detrimental effect for for the child or even for the uh, uh, adult going forward in terms of sexual function, in terms of urine. They end up having referral strictures. They lose that part where that lens part is the one where it's important for the sensation when you have sexual intercourse. Meaning once you lose that, it means you lose basically that sensation and that has a, a long-term effect on you. So that that's commonly is the injury to the organ itself is the common thing, bleeding and infection. Those are the most important things that happen even in a healthcare setting, by the way, but it's not mm. just in the mountains or outside. Even in the healthcare setting, that is why I emphasize that it must be a trained person. You must trust that the person is able to do a circumcision and do it properly. Yes, I'm glad that you said that. I was going to expand it into the question around, um, yes, in healthcare facilities, this also is an issue. I wonder how often or how much of an incidence this is, because that is one of the arguments that many have to say, no, uh, I'd rather not circumcise um, and I'd rather not get circumcised in the case of an older consenting man because of that reason that it would decrease the feeling and the ability to um, enjoy sexual pleasure. Yeah, so so if done properly, it shouldn't have any impact on, on your sexual function. If, if, if. So the other issue is that sometimes we have um, where you where where the the, the the skin itself is sort of cut too much. So that's why I'm saying the training is important. So when you overcut, the only way to to correct that is to pull the skin to be able to cover the one that you you've lost. 
that on its own can actually create deformities in the penis where we can have a curved penis during erection is painful or it has to a specific site mm. where it makes it difficult for your sexual function. That's also one of those things that we've seen over the years that it can happen. That's why it's more about the technique that you use and also knowing how to do it appropriately. And then also how you suture when you do the circumcision or how you close also can create problems because the scar that happens after the circumcision can be the one that causes you to lose sensation uh. or the scar can be painful and also to consider the partner because some people, I don't know if you, if you know about celloid where somebody has made it there and then maybe in the ear you yes. have this big bump. It can happen in the penis where after circumcision the skin in the scar that happens after that is so big that it's very uncomfortable to the partner or to to the patient themselves. So all those are the things that are necessary to to look at and anticipate beforehand and be able to say this I can do. And again that in terms of where the circumcision can be done, mm. most especially uh, general practitioners or healthcare practitioners can do it in their homes, which is completely okay as long as the sterility, as long as they've got a way to stop the bleeding, is not a, 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 a problem. The only problem is that you, you need to have appropriate sort of equipment to counter the complications that can happen. Mm. So that's the, that's the only thing. So when you consider that and also the medical condition of the child or the adult doing the circumcision, because you could be having a bleeding tendency right. and the circumcision is done properly, mm. but then it child that bleeds, bleeds, it doesn't stop. I mean, you can actually bleed all your blood out just from a, a circumcision skin. So it's not sure. as much as it's a simple and easy procedure that we think it's done because it's done so much, it can actually have a lot of uh, dire complications that can be life-threatening as well. 0861-987-000, that's the number you can dial. And uh, we can also take your voice notes on 83 like this one. Hi, Pabi. Hope you're well and good. Mm. They were from Poisons. Um, you know, you know that the, the surprising and shocking part of, of this consent, Pabi, is that why is it that these groups don't advocate and say, Okay, let's wait for the kid to grow up and then let them decide if they want to go to school or not. <laughs> Do you get me? Let's wait for the kid to grow up and let them decide if they want to get vaccinated or not because they get vaccinated as and when they grow up and as and when they are uh, these immunizations. Why is it an issue when they have to be circumcised? Thank you very much. Yeah, very interesting, right? I mean, that consent conversation, uh, you know, why not wait? What is your view on that, Doctor? Yeah, I think it's, it's probably what we've, we're saying, to say some of those risks you eliminate before they happen. And me and you won't be able to, to know 10 years before that this child might end up with a penile cancer, might end up with HIV, when we know that we could have done something to prevent it happening. Mm. Other than that, if there is no medical reason to do the circumcision, you could actually wait, except that the same question could be asked, why did you not take me to circumcise early when you knew that there is a risk that is 
that can come when I'm not circumcised. So the same child that you're going to let them wait until they are older to decide can actually come back and ask you, but you knew that it can reduce this. You knew that I can have prevented me this. Why did you not take me and help me prevent having it? It's, all, it's almost the same same uh, uh, <laughs> argument, argument about both vaccine. Ways, yeah. yeah, about vaccine, whether you must have it, do you know if you're going to be exposed or not? You do not know but you want to be, I think it's almost like an insurance argument. You know, sure. I don't know whether I'm going to have an accident tomorrow, so I must just insure my car, basically. But people say the younger, the boy, he'll forget, the trauma won't be there. And that's one of the main reasons people try to go younger and younger. I actually saw a video very um, early this year of, um, you know, now social media, doctor, we tell the world everything. No? So he was taking his little boy, who's maybe two, to go get circumcised and he was you know publicizing this on social media and i think they were a couple actually they were doing it together and and the main thing on the comments was why so young why so young why so young um as opposed to three four five years old i know that you've answered Mm -hmm. that but truly any aspect of this has its supporters and its detractors yeah yeah I think I think my, my, my main argument against the very young ones, like a one year old, is it's more on the safety. Mm. You know, if if the young one starts bleeding, it's so difficult to handle. Mm. If they don't complicate and they can go with minimal anesthesia, I think they can go. But the thing is you have to look at the risk and benefits exactly. and then weigh them up and see because they can complicate as well. So so that's also another another aspect of it. So so you need to have looked at all of these things and say, because the other thing is that the risk of a younger one who is two years old of having an infection, if it's not just a urinary infection of a medical reason, they are not there. But as they grow, they tend to go to school, they're going to be exposed in the bathroom that is not at home, that, that becomes increased and increased as they grow. The question as to when to wait is also very difficult to, yeah. to, to put to put a finger on. Yeah. Doctor, let's take some calls, shall we? We've got Adolf who's in four ways. Hi, Adolf. Good afternoon, Bobby. Good afternoon, Doctor. No, good afternoon, Adolf. Okay. Um, my my contribution is that uh, I know this is going to be you know relatively controversial uh, because it's quite sensitive to people's beliefs, but uh, given all the risks that you mentioned in this program, some that I didn't even know, uh, I, I honestly believe that there shouldn't be any circumcision being done in the bush or anywhere in the mountain for that matter. It, it, it sounds so much like a, 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 a procedure that requires extremely well-trained people to do these things and under very, very stringent conditions. And you cannot guarantee this sort of thing in the mountain. I'm not surprised with the number of deaths that come out of circumcision every circumcision season. I've been listening to radio, I hear these statistics. They're scary. Mm. Government should actually just make it a policy that if a child has to be circumcised, I'm not saying people's beliefs must be stopped. Go and do the circumcision in a, a proper hospital one year this year. Next year, you go to the mountain. Then we can mitigate on these deaths. I honestly don't understand why we're carrying on as a people mm. the way we're carrying on with the number of deaths that we have every year. Okay. All right. Thank you, Adolf. And it is a conversation we have on a very regular basis. Uh, Solly, you're in Leondale. Hi, Solly.
Hi, my sister and your guest. Yes. I, I'm not sure if my your guest has already addressed my question. It was about uh, the lower side, like uh, how young a child uh, can be eligible for uh, circumcision because of other cultures. I'm told that they do it at, uh, when they are eight days old. Then my imagination does not want to accept the possibility of that. Then on the upper side, up until what age is is is, is a male eligible uh, for that? 50, 55, 60? Okay, thank you, Soli. So, Doctor, I know that we have covered the uh, idea of very young children um, and your your commentary around it is the potential for risk and, and, you know, if there are issues, they're a little bit more challenging when the child is very, very small. You can cover that again if you do wish. But then on the upper limit, 40, 45, 62, 70, is there a limit, Doc? No, there's no limit Even a hundred year old, we can still circumcise. So, so most most adults that we do are medical related. Either they have the penile cancer, we have to circumcise because the cancer is there, or they have a acquired like acquired phimosis where you had a previous infection on the foreskin, it gets very tight and that. Or let's say we suspect that some lesion is happening and we have to remove it. Those are the adult ones, except those that decide, you know, what I want to do. But mostly, definitely there is no upper limit. Even the lower, I must emphasize that there is no limit as to when can you do the circumcision. I I, I tend to, to, to not want to go into religious or cultural beliefs when it comes to certain things that are not... To, that I can't, I can't medically mm. explain. Mm. So, so in terms of that, you know, uh, there are definitely uh, uh, religious beliefs or culture where newborns they want to be circumcised. If that is a strong belief, basically, they are done after birth eight days. You you can do, but for medical reasons, we can do anyone. Mm. So, if there is a good medical indication, even if you are one day old, if it's we are forced to do it, we have to do it. Mm. There are some temporary ways to relieving as if it's like, let's say it's a blockage where we can sort of dilate and open it up until they are well to do a proper circumcision. But in, in, in terms of medical reasons, we can do any, any anyone can be done a circumcision. The, the, the issue about non-medical related is that you don't want to be exposing a child to a risk that is not probably necessary as yet. Okay. On the other hand, you want to prevent risks that can happen as they grow up, but there's no limit to that. Does medical aid pay for circumcision? Yes, yes. Actually, after the 2005 study, medical aid have just realized that they should actually be covering circumcision. And you Previously, can it... there was a lot of reluctance, sure. but until there was a medical reason and so that prevention of HIV or reducing of HIV acquiring that that actually covered most basically I think most if not all medical aids are covering now. And you can get it for free in the public health care system. All right, brilliant. Uh, I've got a question here from Mlindo Mo saying, as an eight or nine year old, I was bathing with a friend of mine. He had gone to the mountain, and it seems the gland was removed. That traumatized me. How often are these cases, doctor? Those cases are, are, are happens. Happens. Uh, I don't know if I can tell in terms of how often they sure. are, 
but it's happens. more on the technique, as I explained, that, you know, it happens a lot. But like I said, they don't just happen in the mountain. They happen in, even in the formal healthcare system where lens is cut and they have to come to us to try and rejoin. Some of them become successful depending on how long they get to see us and how the, the lens was preserved throughout the time and all of those things, you know. How do they get the help? But they happen. They happen so much. The only problem with them is the long-term and psychological impact on the boy for not having a lens and all the sexual functions going forward. It's 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 very it's a very devastating uh, consequence. The glands is the very very top, the tip, right? Top part. Yes. Oh, Remember, oh, I oh, said the glands is the top part, and that's the one where. Sexual sensation is most is actually in that lens, so that's where all the small nerves that that they have the sensation are. So once you cut that, then you lose you lose that. And also Ooh. sometimes the penis the penis gets cut in half or in full, where even urinating is difficult because you must be able to hand to hold your penis to direct it when you when you pass urine. So once you have a short stump, it becomes very difficult oh. to. To control that, I've and heard, again, mm-hmm. and again, you they do develop strictures, urethral strictures, where the blockage inside because the scalp blocks the tube inside, where you can actually block and be unable to pass urine at all. So that's why it's important to go to somebody who's qualified or you know a, a proper medical facility. Yes. I have heard that that's one of the horror stories that people who are against circumcision talk about that the the, the size uh, of the penis may be cut. But again, it's it's back to the issue we just mentioned. Opa, you're in midstream. Hello. Hello, Pavi and Doctor uh, Charles. How How's are you? It? Welcome. Good. Good, uh, thank you. Uh, good day, Opa. Oh, very well, thank you. My, my interest, although we are talking about circumcision, is on penile cancer. I mean, we often hear about women going for their pap smear, you know, to check for cervical cancer. Yeah. But seldom we hear about men going to check for their penile cancer. What is it that can be done? And can you also comment on the prevalence of penile cancer, especially amongst black men? Great question. Thanks, Opa. Yeah, that, that's a great question. Mm. I, I, was, I was involved in in some research for penile cancer. So it is prevalent. The problem with penile cancer is more on the psychological part of it. Men generally don't report it and will pick it up late. It is very prevalent and it's very prevalent in South Africa. So the study we did at VET was to look at what would be the cause of the penile cancer we see. And we found that human papilloma virus, as I said, it was it had like about 40% as a cause. And human papilloma virus is the same virus that predisposes women to cervical cancer. Mm. There is a program in South Africa for girls to be vaccinated against that virus to prevent cervical cancer. The program for boys, I think about nine years or so, is there, but it hasn't actually been implemented properly in, in South Africa. There is no screening per se, of penile cancer, but any lesion that happens in a male organ is not supposed to be there. It needs to be checked. It's difficult to know whether this is cancer or not, but like I say, we pick them up late, and most of them, the only way by the time they come, we have to remove that whole penis. It also has a psychological problem, but it's it's a very prevalent, it's very prevalent, and it's prevalent mostly related to infections and hygiene basically the other thing i didn't mention is the hygiene part of it because it has been looked at to say if you don't pull your your foreskin backwards and clean 
you predispose yourself to penile cancer. And that is what maybe what the boys should be encouraged to do. Because that's the only time they'll know that that skin cannot be completely uh, retracted. And once you can completely retract it, then it needs to have a circumcision. So those are the things in terms of cleaning. So it's important to have proper hygiene and clean inside the foreskin to prevent penile cancer specifically, because that's the area that also has been researched. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, raising a boy, we were told not to pull back on the skin. Um, but you're saying, you know, obviously gently you pull back and gently. to make sure that everything's clean inside. My final question as we wrap up our conversation, um, recovery, the process for an infant, a child or an adult under, uh, after circumcision, doctor, what should one do? Yeah, so so recovery usually if it's done properly for me, I say I always say to three to five days the child is okay. But the younger ones recover very quickly. Mm. So if they don't have any complications, they heal. By the following day, they are jumping around. Most of my patients, the same day, parents will tell you this guy didn't even look like he did anything <laughs> because they are. So that's also another advantage of doing it early younger, because they yeah. heal. Their healing is higher than when they are older, mm. and the risk of complications in adults is that. Bleeding is easy when they are older. The young ones, they tend to not bleed so much, but they can bleed. So I think that's, that's the thing. Recovery is about three to five days. Again, depending, you know, when they are adults, it takes a bit longer. So about seven days or so. But, but generally, it's within a week. Circumcision should be should be proper should be already healed. Wonderful, Doctor Charles Mate, urologist. Thank you very much for guiding us through this conversation today. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.